Welcome to the Sisterhood of Battle podcast, the Warhammer 40k podcast for all things Sisters of Battle. I'm your host, Big Easy, coming at you from Holy Terra. Okay, it's episode four of the Sisterhood of Battle podcast. Uh, today we're joined by Colin DeGraff, the creative director for Cold Open Stories. Welcome. Hello. Thanks for joining us. Um, really honored that you could join us today. Um, was really excited about uh, you know the idea of what you did, and then you know, I'm like, oh well, there's a Sisters of Battle uh, audio drama out there. Let me check that out. And then I was like, wow, I cannot wait to <laughs> have someone from this endeavor on the show because uh, yeah, it's incredible. Well, thank you. So uh, really uh, yeah, no. Uh, start with a cold open question. If mm. you could insert a Sister of Battle into an existing piece of media, you know, a movie, TV show, video game, anything like that, for maximum entertainment, what would it be? Okay, so injecting them into another another art. I mean, for for me, I think it'd be very cool just to go into like a museum or something and have a life size life sized replica of one of those statues. Like I'm, I'm I'm thinking of just the fully painted detail, like the aura that that creates, the pose. I mean, let's be fair. Some video game game company, probably a few year, uh, years down the road, is going to make one of those statues to promote something. I feel like that happens time to time. Uh, in hey, terms sure. of like. The arts, I'm, I'm a big fan of the performing arts, mixed media, stuff like that. I, I'd love to see them come out of just, you know, the little tiny 28 millimeter, make them life-sized. Right. Yeah. That could be cool. I mean, okay. probably all well, you uh, walk up and, you know, you've got the bolter and you're like, holy hell. Yeah. <laughs> right. You see a life-size one of those. And you see some great cosplay. You know, that's kind of a, that might be the next step, not to get ahead of ourselves here. But man, with all the fan-made, just labor of love stuff you see people putting together for cons and things like that. I'm like, wow, that's that's really impressive. And it's just getting better as more people find Warhammer as a franchise and they take interest in it. I love it. Right. Well, uh, I feel certainly uh, fortunate that I, I stumbled on what you do. But uh, for the listeners who might not know, uh, what is Cold Open Stories? Okay, so, well, Cold Open Stories is a, it's a couple things. It is a space for people to share short fiction, to uh, submit their own written stories, to also audition uh, to play the parts in audio dramas that we put on set in the Warhammer 40,000 universe. And it is a love letter to the short and weird stories that give us the power to jump into new worlds, explore new characters, and find out something about ourselves as the listener in doing that. And it's been a great exercise uh, over the course of the last year. Wow. So it started, uh, you've been doing it about a year? Well, in uh, April of last year was when uh, when I, you know, the idea really coalesced and I said, you know what, I'm going to buy the domain, put together a website, make a proof of concept. And that proof of concept started with uh, the echo of Satellite 66B, which was our first audio drama. And from there, it's just been um, an amazing experience. We've had uh, more people hop on board to, uh, to audition for the audio dramas. Um, and it's just, it's escalated. I mean, when we did Echo, there were seven auditions, right? Uh, our second story, March for Mars, we had 48. When All Lights Have Gone Out, the Adeptus Sororitas uh, tale, that was 116 right. auditions. And uh, Hog and Crimson, which is our Adeptus Mechanicus serialized story, it's our first time stretching it out over several episodes, that had 357 auditions. And we're in the middle of a new one right now. It's only been open for just a little over uh, two weeks now. We've already had over 220 auditions. Wow. 220 auditions. So how big of a group of people do you have helping to manage that and to, you know, listen to them and make decisions on those? So that is a very small but mighty team. Uh, it is myself. And uh, I do work with uh, my comp uh, composer, Robert Renato Hack. Uh, he can be found online as at Officio Audiorum. He does all of the original music, but everything that you hear, there's Foley, there's the actual coaching of the performances, the, the coordination of the actors, the writing of the script. Uh, that's been predominantly myself. Um, very fortunate, though, have brought in some new collaborators. I'm very excited to talk about a few coming up. Uh, the one that we are starting with our latest audio drama is Stephen Rhodes. He's a narrative designer and writer for Gods and Monsters, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, Witcher 3, and Warhammer Wrath and Glory. So we're starting now in our, our, 
after our first year to expand the team. Wow, it sounds like uh, much needed too, based on the uh, amount of interest that's that's kind of growing exponentially, which I think is a great thing. Well, from a number, uh, of people, you know, it's it's getting a little much. I'll be perfectly honest. Uh, when I open the <laughs> inbox and I see the numbers, I go, "My God!" But um, right. I know you know we're uh, we're constantly looking, and I, I would never turn down anyone to say, you know, I have an interest in in what you do. Tell me what you like. We this is we're definitely trying to make this a a inclusive hobby space for people to try different things. And in the end, we're all doing this for, for free. There is no Patreon. We, we shun that openly and we try to draw attention to some charities that we have that we highlight um, that if people feel like they like what we do, they can go check those out. Wow. That's fantastic. Um, and do you find that uh, since it's been growing, um, have you found uh, people that are willing to offer not just to participate, but maybe offer you know other services or other things that they have to contribute? Oh, we absolutely. We've had some people who have done sound, uh, have offered to do sound design or other technical components and and music. You know, recently um, I've been speaking with uh, some other individuals who are like, "Hey, if you want to spin this off and do more stories," and we're we're trying to figure those out what the workflow for that would be. But, um, you know, we also have uh, Troy Sterling uh, Nice, who is coming on board as a another composer for some of our, our shorter, um, compact things that we have planned, not the, the audio dramas in their full length, but some other exciting things that we plan on doing over the course of the next few months. That sounds great. Yeah, and I, and I want to point out that, you know, these aren't just, um, you know, the equivalent of an audio book. These are audio dramas. These are performed. There's Foley. There's music that seems to, you know, go along with it. It's responsive to what's happening in the story, um, which is all just, you know, incredibly thematic. And it's 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 a throwback almost to the, you know, the old days of radio when, when you really had to, uh, you know, hear a story and, and it, it put you and transported you to that world. And, and I was reminded of that. It's closest thing to it, I think, is really, uh, you know, watching a movie or playing a video game, something where you're fully immersed. See, I, I had the thing where growing up, I, before podcasts um, were really finding their, their footing, what I had done was I had um, j- like some movies and my, my parents would say, you know, enough, get off the TV, just go to sleep. And so what happens, I remember uh-huh. a little DVD player or even before that, like a little VHS and small TV, and I would just put the thing on play and I would just listen to it. So I've heard, you know, Return of the Jedi more times than I've seen it. But I think that probably wow. has some sort of impact on why I appreciate this medium. Sure, yeah, and I'm sure it gave you a uh, you know a lot of insight to the what's effective and and you know how to really tell a story in that way. Mm-hmm. Well, um, so you're getting all these auditions, you're getting all these submissions for stories. How many um, story submissions did you get most recently? Uh, most recently, we had more than uh, 25. Um, we actually had some people that sent in some fantastic things and i mean this is going to be the exclusive reveal we're just working on the uh the trailer for the uh, the reveal of the authors and uh we've got some fantastic submissions just speaking with the authors right now to uh secure their their input and edits and to move forward with this wow and so in these submissions aren't just you know short treatments or outlines i mean these are full scripts for an audio drama which must be you know pages and pages and pages long right well, these ones for this specific call, we've we've had some people submit scripts. Uh, we also had the short fiction uh, section of our website. That's what this call specifically was was leaning towards. But we've received okay. scripts, but we've received a lot of of original stories set in Warhammer Forty Thousand. So, I mean, we've got it's it's a bit of a teaser, but you know, we've got some stuff with the Inquisition. We've got chaos. We've got uh, Slanesh, a really interesting slash story uh sisters of battle there's going to be something for everyone that sounds great and of course uh, you know we are as a sister sisters of battle podcast mm-hmm. we feel very fortunate that they were visited so early uh among the choices not that you know the others aren't great on their own and worth listening to but and we'll, um, we'll never be heard again we mm-hmm. finished we're done no more sisters yeah <laughs> you hit them early and that's it no yeah because there's nothing uh, interesting about sisters right <laughs> there's no interesting themes to explore there but um but no the um i i would like of course we do the sisterhood of uh battle book club uh on this show we've just done the first chapter uh and second chapter and we hope to continue 
But uh, it, we want to move past that and start doing other fiction, other uh, media. And I definitely want to get to uh, when all lights go out. Uh, so I don't want to spoil or give away too much of it on the show. But well, I think a lot of people true. have listened to it. Well, that's, that's and, really uh, to try to, to you know to, to hold the work that we've been doing here um, up to the other um, games workshop uh, level of materials. Oh, oh yeah, at least as much because you know as, as great as those are and the Black Library uh, books and authors are, um, you know they, that's just one one form. It's one uh, medium, mm-hmm. but the audio drama format is such a way to. You know, obviously, if we all love the hobby, we love that immersion. We love, you know, painting the details. We love making things our own and kind of taking the stories and uh, going beyond what's in the codex and and other uh, of the stories that are out there. And I think the these audio dramas do that so well. And they're like, hey, this is our story. You can really tell that it's a labor of love. It's not someone trying to, you know, cash in on on a, on an IP. This is somebody taking these themes and these uh, characters in some cases and really making it uh, really fleshed out. And I love that. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. I, I think it's really also just a, a credit to the, um, to the voice acting talent, really to, to say that they come on board and they are just driving themselves into the story saying, I love this character. I want to play it with like just the utmost respect and, you know, eligible for the tone. Yeah. And, and along those lines, um, are the people who are volunteering for this, are they by and large, you know, Warhammer 40k fans? We've got a mix, to be perfectly honest. And it's it's hard to tell. It's not like there's a little checkbox at the application sure. of the audition that's like, are you a fan of 40k? And even then right. it's you know, are you a true fan? I think is also kind of a shitty question to ask, to be honest. I, think I, I agree. I agree. So we we've had uh, some people who have just a, a passing familiarity based on their social group. Um, and then, you know, those, who those are in the productions might surprise you. And then we have mm-hmm. some people who are just like ravenous, like rabid fans. And we typically land at those extremes, not really somewhere in the middle. Uh, so it's been great. Great. Well, yeah, the, the quality of voice acting that I've heard, I mean, again, that this is, um, done as a labor of love. This isn't, you know, you know, paying the bills or anything like that is just incredible that you, that people are coming to these projects and bringing so much and you're getting such a good product. I think it's, it's really amazing. Well, thank you. Uh, so can you tell us a little bit about uh, what's next? I know you don't want to go too far into uh, surprises and things, but uh, what, what can we look for next from uh, cold open? Sure. So uh, however small, however hidden is our next story. That's the collaboration with Stephen Rhodes, uh, co-writer on the project. And that is our gene stealer cult story, um, which is uh, it's, it's going to get twisty. It's going to get gross. Sure. Um, <laughs> right, naturally. Well, we've got, um, or actually, before that releases, we'll be releasing all the short stories as part of our recent call, and we'll begin the adaptation process on one of those. So, one of those stories we're going to turn into a fully produced audio drama, and uh, we're looking forward to that. It's really hard choosing which one, but um, you know, when we when we finally uh, nail down which one, it we're going to be throwing our whole heart and soul into it to uh, to give it that same sort of quality treatment we've done for the others. Uh, we have formally announced that we are going to be doing a sequel to When All Lights Have Gone Out, our first time. Ooh, well, that's exciting. Uh, for all the Sisters fans, yeah, there's there's going to be a, uh, a follow-up to that. I don't want to talk too much about that or what to expect, uh, other sure. than um, the fact that uh, there, there are tie-ins that can be found. Uh, actually, there's little Easter eggs in every audio drama that tangentially links them all. It's not the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Don't worry. You don't have to listen to one to get the other. But uh, uh-huh. there's some stuff in there that uh, I'm looking forward to bringing in. I like that. Just something, a little nod to people that are listening to all of them and, and can link them together a little bit. Exactly. Exactly. So, And uh, then after that, we've got uh, got a few things. We're, we really are trying to hit on a single, you know, faction each time so we've got one for the the navy we've got one for knights we've got sisters and we've got mechanicus so we're just looking to expand our our portfolio that way 
Yeah, I think that's great. And, you know, as great as I'm sure, you know, all of these uh, works are on their own, regardless of, you know, where they fit into the 40k universe. I think it's just a fact that people, especially if they're not familiar with what you're doing, are going to be that much more likely to say, oh, that's interesting. I'm into, you know, whatever this faction is. So I'll give this a listen. And then, of course, find out how great it is. I'm I'm speaking from experience. (laughs) You know, I saw, you know, fan made so and so 40k. And I'm like, oh, you know, that's pretty cool. Somebody's got a little hobby. And then I saw Sisters of Battle. And I'm like, oh, I'll check that out you know i'm into that and doing the podcast that could be some material and then i was okay completely blown away as i said so you know people that might be listening on the fence uh if i if we haven't talked it up enough uh i think you're definitely going to be uh going to check it out as soon as you finish listening to this because uh it's it's more than you might expect and even if your expectations are high i think you'll be pleasantly surprised i i think that's actually um, a problem with uh with mm-hmm. you know, fan fiction that people think that it's actually lesser than or that's a sub quality but to be right. perfectly honest, a lot of fiction in our real world of what we pay credit to has some sort of root in people going, well, I want to engage with this author or I want to have a response to this other work. And in many ways, what I'm doing here and what other collaborators are working on, this is our response to to Black Library, to, to Games Workshop. So we're saying, well, let's hold ourselves to the exact same standard and try to one up. You know, try try to really push the medium forward because you're right. This isn't an audio book. This isn't one narrator talking their way through a little bit of music, a little bit of ambient noise. We're trying to provide a theater of the mind experience that someone's able to tune in, spend you know 40 minutes to get through a whole story with us, and then come out and go, "Wow, I I felt something. I I was able to really engage with those characters, or that was a really unique story, or I feel." scared or grossed out or excited because hell yeah you know we we definitely want people to to get a, a higher standard of yeah it's more than fan work it's we're it's, it's something else it's something you know industry standard you know and we've we've actually seen this with some of the um the the ratings uh that we've been uh, getting on different podcast players for mm-hmm. you know we're starting to inch our way up in the drama the drama category in different countries, the UK, the US, uh, Canada, Australia, we're noticing that we're starting to, you know, crack the top 100. We're now moving up through the 70s. And we're starting to find our way into other fully scripted drama programs. And it's just kind of surreal that this is yeah. like, quote unquote, fan fiction, but it, it can be so much more than that. Yeah, I mean, I think you've really tapped into, of course, you've got um, just a, a rabid fan base of people who are sort of ravenous for this sort of material. And then, you know, you meet that that uh, that need and that niche by doing something extremely well. I think you got a recipe <laughs> for uh, for something really good. So I'm, I'm glad you're able to uh, keep up with it, even though um, it's it's growing quickly. And, uh, you know, I just hope that, uh, you know, you're able to keep it up. Well, thank I'm you. I'm sure you will. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just saying, here, here's hoping. I mean, it takes a lot to oh. produce one of these, but uh, yeah, quality is the is the focus. So. Sure. And, and yet you've managed to keep uh, a pretty aggressive uh, release schedule. So uh, you're, you're trying to release something, is it about once a month? Uh, so, yeah, we, we are typically releasing, if you, if you space it out, we've got something that's come out every three weeks if you take all of the productions into, into effect. So whether that's mm-hmm. uh, a, you know, a story, a... Um, a casting call now with the mm-hmm. stories uh, we're going to be keeping a, a pretty good schedule for people to engage with something cold open stories related. Wow. That's great. That's a, a honestly a huge service to anyone who's interested in this uh, type of content uh, that they can, you know, look forward to something like that, that, that frequently. So that's amazing. Uh, what can you tell us? Can you give us any kind of uh, maybe making of or background or anything about uh, when all lights go out? What, what was that one like to make? Oh, God. Um, so it's kind of a, I'm glad you asked that. That's actually a really good question. It's kind of a mishmash of different ideas. Um, it started with the idea of the um, the Scala Progenium, the, the orphanage and what it would be like sure. for kids growing up in the Imperium. And I started to dial my way back and say, what does the institution of that look like? And I found myself kind of just stuck in M3637 with the creation of the sisters as a, as a fighting force. And the idea of saying, well, these orphanages, they will have been older than that. They're, they're a piece of the ecclesiarchy. You have the sisters coming into effect. Why not just try to, to play with that? And that just kind of started and said, okay, you know, you've got this character, Ardell, a, a young girl who gets picked up into the 
uh, into the uh, sisters and saying, well, what, what would have lifted her up? You know, it's uh, without spoiling too much. It's, is it something that she does? Is it the environment around her? And then I started to think about the other kids in the, the orange. And that's where the character of Jacob came in and it started snowballing and building the story of, you know, bringing those two characters back home to the world of Antiqua Resolve, where they're able to try to get some closure on their time in the orphanage, but just kind of wind up at ends, uh, at ends with each other. And what the villain becomes, I know has surprised a lot of people because it's not a, a matchup that is really expected. So I'm happy that that's uh, been something I was able to play with. Yeah. And I think it was uh, super effective. I, I really like, um, you know, the world that was built there. And, you know, it wasn't so much that you went back and explained the whole backstory or, you know, I think there's a tendency there when people are uh, making their own stories sometimes to kind of explain every detail. But I thought the story being the actual focus of the events that happened during the audio drama was really effective. And every day mm -hmm. walk into a room and go, ah, yes, what an incredible room. It has been standing for 2000 years. I've heard like no one talks like that. Not even in 40 K people just live their lives. They move from space to space, trying to stay alive. And that's a pretty dark worldview, but that's kind of the point is you can sometimes get mired in your own world building. So just have the people just do their stuff. Audiences will take the ride and fill in the blank on the rest. I think. Yeah. What can you tell us about the uh, the voice actor for the Ecclesiarchy priest in that story? <laughs> uh, Absolutely fantastic. What would you like to know? I mean, that there was a bit of a, a conversation on Twitter that happened after of saying that, you know, he, he's doing a bit of a riff on a character from um, uh, some different uh, anime and, and stuff like that. And I, I relished in that. I'm like, yes, he was he was sleazy i mean he, we're talking about the beginning of the uh, for the pastor to have heard about the black templar and to know of their their story their legend yeah. and then you get this new institution of women in power armor and i mean i'm not trying to say well look quote unquote feminism world issue i'm saying look at the way that this character would have existed with these giants these gods these astartes and then mm -hmm. have even your this faith. And you can tell the character um, of Pastor LaCroix, he is just all about himself and not about his congregation at all. And he's played by Holy, who just gets... He, he goes into his inner scumbag and pulls that out. He's a great guy. I, I'm just saying that he's able to tap into that sort of sure. sneering, like, better than thou. And I think yeah, quite well. Yeah, I think he absolutely nails it. And, uh, you know, it is an audio drama. And I think, you know, that when a character like that is able to kind of convey more than you ordinarily would, um, you know, just hearing audio like that and really characterize a part like like that, like he does uh, for that role. It just it really brings that part to life. Oh, God, he, he made that role way bigger and way better than what was on the page. I mean, once we, once we get to the end and it's this sort of setup of what his character's values are and what he doesn't like, and we get this, this final scene, and he, he just went to town with some of the readings and just relished in it, and I, I love him for it. Luke is, was amazing in the role. Yeah. Well, uh, certainly very, very excited to see what happens next, but also to uh, just continue exploring all of everything that Cold Open is doing. Now, um, I'm a fan. I'm hooked. Uh, I think everyone that uh, listens to this, if, you have, if they hadn't heard of you yet, uh, they will. And uh, we'll keep spreading the gospel so we can see what you come up with next. Oh, I, I appreciate it. And really, that's the best way that people can help is to to kind of spread the signal to tell other people, because if, if there isn't anyone auditioning for this, we don't have a cast. And if we aren't spreading the, the word about it, no one's going to pick them up and we're not going to be able to actually bring together what is what I've been calling is effectively community theater set in the 41st millennium. So mm -hmm. everyone's welcome. We've recently added some voice acting tutorials and guides on our website to help people who feel that they are maybe a kind of a barrier to entry. They've never tried it before. Uh, we've got mm -hmm. some stuff on there to help get people up to speed and uh, trying it out. Well, that's great. Uh, that's a great way for people to, you know, engage, even if they're not, um, 
you know, uh, of that level where they're going to shine or stand out among a submission of hundreds, there's still a way that people can kind of participate and, and have some fun with this. Well, I've, I, on that note, though, I, I've got a, a cold open question for you. Oh, okay. Bring it. You're, you've, got, uh, you've got two minutes. I want you to pitch me your sister's story. You think you can do it? Okay. Wow. On the spot. And uh, yeah, I, I'll, I can give you a story. I don't know if it's going to, if it's going to be at the top of the pile, but you know, I feel like everybody's got their own little uh, backstory, their sisters that they work on or their, whatever their models are when they're painting, but okay. Well, uh, this order of sisters uh, was founded by a, uh, a sister that basically was uh, derelict in duty. She abandoned her post, you know, the worst thing you can do as a soldier of the Imperium, especially as a, a Sororitas. But uh, she faced a decision that she was unwilling to make, and she uh, left at her post uh, under pain of death and found a world where she found uh, an orphanage with a number of young girls in it that have been survived, you know, centuries of war and a war-torn planet. And uh, she decided she was going to do her part to help, you know, educate and uh, bring these girls up in the world. And in doing so, she was going to teach them her view, her take on the imperial church, the imperial doctrine, which of course we know is, you know, the emperor is the, the Lord Emperor and what Sister Arabia believed was that it was in fact the mother of the emperor that really held all the power kind of mirroring mirroring uh, roman catholicism a little bit in the veneration of mary and in caring for her son who was you know as we know originally immortal and caring for her son instilled that sort of godliness and uh, everything that we know about the imperium and the holiness of it so my story i guess is around what happens to the sister as she is kind of hunted and discovered and the way that she's instilled this sort of what some would call a heretical twist on the Church of the Imperium and what it means and what some of those differences are and how they kind of change the way that a fanatical group like the Sisters of Battle might look at the world and how they look at some of their so-called allies and enemies. So what I'm hearing is that we will be looking forward to your fully written uh, story for that, uh, finding its way onto our, our site soon. That, you know, I'll start working on it. And if I can just, you know, help support and bring up the numbers and bring some interest to it, oh. um, you know, I'll have done my job. So, hey, I think everyone's got their story. Everyone should share it with you. And um, we'll all benefit by you looking at all of them and bringing out the best ones. And we thank you for it. <laughs> my my, I will go until my eyes can't move any longer, and after that, <laughs> I mean, I'll just get turned into a, a servo, uh, you know, a servo skull, and, and continue my way uh, on helping uh, bring these to light. So, no, that's fantastic. Great. Well, where can people find uh, the audio dramas and the work uh, and the other work that you're working on? Sure. So you can hop on to www.coldopenstories.com for our short fiction audio dramas, uh, also our submissions and auditions. You can find them all on there. And uh, if you're looking to listen to any of the stories, you can either hop on there and stream them, or you can check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Great. Well, I will check those out. I'm going to go back and listen to the episodes that I haven't yet. And I'm going to probably re-listen to When All Lights Go Out uh, at least one more time. I've already listened to it a couple of times, but I love it. And um, if you're a fan of this podcast, I definitely recommend you start with that. If you're interested in sisters, go from there. I don't think you can go wrong. Did you have a favorite sister that people should uh, should love and adore? Yeah, I got, um, I, you actually make it hard. You know, you start off and it, there's only four of them, right, depicted. And, uh, you know, they all have such unique personalities that by the end, you know, I found an attachment to all of them. But, um, uh, you know, I'm just eager to to see the next episodes or to hear the next episode, I should say, without giving anything away. <laughs> Let's just say I, I love the characters that were created. Well, thank you so much. And, and thank you for having me on the show. Great. Well, thanks. Um, you're welcome to come back anytime. Uh, maybe get an update in the future, but I don't want to interrupt you too much from the hard work that you're doing. So <laughs> we'll give you some time. We'll bring the uh, we'll bring the next uh, episode in for the sequel. Uh, we'll bring it straight here. How's that sound? I would love that. We'll let us know and uh, we'll get you back for the sequel. And uh, we look forward to it. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you, Colin DeGraff. You're the creative director for Cold Open Stories. Thank you so much for joining us. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you.
All right, welcome to Chapter 3 of the Sisterhood Book Club. Uh, to This week, we've got joining us uh, Ian. Hello. How you doing, Ian? Uh, pretty good. <laughs> All right. Uh, and now Ian uh, warned me that he's got uh, a good number of notes, which I'm very excited about. and hope everyone that comes on here does as well, because these books are awesome. They've got a lot of details, and we're going to talk about all of them. So just to start off with a quick synopsis of uh, Chapter 3, uh, we're introduced to the character of Verity, who is going to play a very important role in this book, I, I dare say. And she attends her sister's funeral, her late sister, Leth, who we remember from the previous chapters, not very much of them, but a little bit. And uh, we're introduced to her and her introduction to uh, the main character, uh, Maria, Mariah. We, of course, we've already gone over the confusion around her name. However you say it is fine. And we see a little bit of Taurus Vaughn and his plans to get his revenge on the world, which uh, is very villainous of him. And then it closes with the interrogation of uh, Vorgo, and uh, we see a little bit of diabolical psyker action there. And we think maybe there's more to this guy than we think. So it's a very interesting chapter. Uh, Ian, what do you think? When you want to start us off, something you found interesting? Well, as I said, as I said earlier in our earlier discussions, I, my when I read this chapter, it was more about how I. Uh, how the basically the sisters are viewed. Like I'm going to dive into my first point is sure. how the sisters not only view are, are viewed by, you know, like lay persons, like with Verity, when she first arrives on the planet, there's the, uh, the shuttle pilot. Right. Right. And his first, like they, they, the way he views it is the first thing he does is how can, how can my helping them, uh, the three hospitalers benefit me? Yeah. Cause he it literally says he, he wants special dispensation from his yearly tithes. It's a very forty k thing, isn't it? It's it, not yeah, like uh, yeah. oh oh, I'm so glad to help the the, the good guys. He's yeah. like uh, you know, like, uh, geez, are, do I get something out of this? These are holy women. Obviously, I can get a discount on my yearly tithes, right? <laughs> right. You know? So that, that's very much not only is that a forty k thing, but it's also very much a entrepreneur thing to do. Because it's obvious he it's not as if he owns his own shuttle, but he it's obvious like he he's you know, his own businessman, you know? Right. And yeah. you know, he wants discounts, right? Um, yeah. and, and the kind of the unsaid thing in that whole exchange is that, man, how rough is this guy's life where, he, you know, he's yeah. probably just barely eking out a living and, you know, they're like, you'll take us now. And that's probably yeah. like his whole month's salary that yeah. they, yeah. he just had to before like, go. Yeah. The, 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 was it between, is it, it was between Zoe or Nara? One of the hospitalers goes, I am a servant yeah. of the divine imperial church. Do you know what that means? And he's like, right. I have to, do what you say. <laughs> right. and, not and, even a sister battle. You mentioned that. It's like, they're not even like, you wouldn't be in the same room as battle sisters, but these are hospitalers quote unquote, just nurses. <laughs> right. All the fluff. Like, uh, like I said, I've gone through all of my books, looking up the hospitalers, different orders. And in one of the other books, I want to say the dark heresy, blood of martyrs book, but I'm probably wrong. It actually makes mentions that in, uh, inquisitors rarely use hospitaler services because they end up killing heretics <laughs> <laughs> right. more often than they do saving them because you know they're they're, they're heretics in the eyes of the god emperor. Obviously, yeah. you know they need to their be fate done. is sealed. Their yeah. fate is sealed. It's like the inquisitors like, but we need information. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, but yeah, they, they they he mentions that they're just nurses, and it's like, mm -hmm. um, have you read the fluff about these these girls? No, <laughs> they're not, they're not. nurses. <laughs> but yeah, and it's also that 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 same viewpoint is also carried on not from him, but also onto the taxi drivers when she's mm -hmm. going from the the spaceport. She's got imperial script. It mentions in the book, uh, the the chapter that she's got imperial script. So she mm -hmm. can pay for her trip, right? But none of them take it. Yeah, because that was cool. Because yeah, that, that was one of the things. It's like okay, so here's the I, I don't want to say self serving, but obviously the the guy that you know he he's he's read a heart. He's led. He's he runs a business. You know that business might not be the best because he literally says, you know, I don't have the time to do this. You know, we need to right. get going. Can you yeah. hurry it up? And then the the taxi drivers are just like, you know what? We're not going to look at you, but we know you're here. Thank you for blessing us with your presence. Just come into here and we'll take you wherever you want. We're not going to yeah. take your money. <laughs> it's like there's the two complete opposites of how the psoriatists in general are viewed. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. You know, um, 
like even among the sister the sororities themselves, there's you can see different levels of opinion. I guess would be the right word for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, like a like a steam, like how they how they uh, yeah. view them and and how yeah. they might interact with them. It's obvious. It's obvious. There's there's a, there's a hierarchy. The non militants are at the bottom, and then there's the militant order above. Uh, was it um, Miria or however you want to pronounce her name? <laughs> right, right. Uh, even says that even says that to Verity when you know she's like when she wants some information about let's 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 um, death, and she's like, "This is an order. For, this is a matter for the militant orders." And then that's when she goes all you know. I'm I'm going to claw the information from you. Yeah, which is which is what I like. But the the viewpoint is. Even among the sisters, there's, you know, there's different hierarchies, you know, like we're obviously we're better than you are, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and they're kind of setting up, I think, uh, to that point, what, what we start to see at the end of this chapter, which is they're, they're really starting to set up kind of a buddy cop movie here yes. between uh, yeah, I, you I, know, I, the cool, bad, you know, the street cop. And then you have the desk cop who comes yeah. in and, you know, plays by the rules. I, I, when, I, when I first read the chapter, when it first came out, I'm like, are they doing lethal weapon in <laughs> space yes. yeah i can get behind this yeah right uh, I, unfortunately I, w- I was like later on chapters kind of disabuse the lethal yeah. cop opinion but it's it's very sure. much a buddy it's very much a buddy cop setup they play on those trips yeah. a little bit yeah as they're yeah. introducing how different you know they're not all just the same sisters of battle like yeah. one's one's got one job one another like, uh, they're, and they're and, very and, almost a caste system yes and it, it, but it's not. It's not like the 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 the, the, heret, the heretical Xenos Tau caste system, you know. Oh, right. Yeah. Sorry. Obviously, yeah. Obviously, <laughs> obviously. obviously, we have the better caste system. Obviously, right. Great. <laughs> orders. Uh, I'm sorry. Orders, not caste. Or, 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 um, but yeah, uh, there's even the the you can even see that distinction played in the interrogation scene when the Arbite, the Arbites, basic Arbites, Arbites, however you want to pronounce it literally start sneering at the sisters of battle because they've you know they they they, they screwed up <laughs> yeah that's that's yeah. their impression they're like yeah, oh we could we could have kept them safe you yeah, guys we, messed we, up. we could have done this much better than you can and look what you, yeah. you managed to lose a powerful psycho witch so yeah, that you had chained up and everything yeah, right yeah it's like how exactly is this and then the 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 whole scene's like oh you're an inquisitor now when verity you know obviously does yeah, she, the, the, the whole I when I read that when I first read that I'm like did she read to the end of the book? <laughs> <laughs> Does she know? Does she know spoilers, that, yeah, this, yeah. spoilers, people. But yeah, it's, it's like it's like oh you're an inquisitor now and just the that the whole enforcer vibe of you know what are you do what are you women doing on my turf? You know yeah it's not even it's not, it's not even it's like not only are you women but you you should be going out and persecuting heretics on battlefields and taking care of, you know, whatever the psoriasis does. Right. So why are you doing, why are you trying to do my job? So. Yeah. And I think that's an important part to put this because, you know, a lot of, of course, uh, you know, I was reading a little bit from James Swallow actually in the white dwarf interview he did recently about, you know, writing this book. And uh, if you haven't read it, you should check it out. It's really cool. And it's actually got the first chapter free in it. But um, yeah, he talks about how, um, you know, he had another story about Sisters of Battle that was a little more conventional, you know, like a, uh, a battlefield sort of book. Um, of course, at that point, all that had been done were the Space Marine books, which are basically depictions of huge battles, right? And just what you expect. And then this was like, well, let's do something a little bit different. And mm-hmm. it is almost like a mystery. It's almost like a buddy cop kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, and they, they do a good job of kind of setting that up as like, whoa, wait, shouldn't you be on the battlefield blowing, blowing up heretics? Like, what are you doing? Yeah. It's trying to solve mysteries, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, and they have to kind of ease you into that. Yeah. Well, uh, the, the, because I've been reading from the omnibus, it, it, uh-huh. it starts with red and black. Oh, okay, haven't read that one yet. Oh, you you like it? <laughs> I, I honestly, I, and I'm going to tell this that and this goes for everybody who hasn't read it. I highly recommend it. Okay, yeah, we'll it, get to it soon. Oh, 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 trust me. And it, it's one of those things. It's like when I first started reading, I'm like, should I be reading this? Because this feels this feels like I should already know these characters. Mm-hmm. And because it's a short story and it came out and it was put in, I think specifically in this omnibus or came out somewhere, something else, uh, it establishes characters that you should already know. But okay. it, it's it's very much it's very much a James Swallow short story. I definitely recommend it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to covering all of the books uh, stories oh, in the omnibus, and yeah. uh, you know, basically any any uh, sisters fiction that we can get our hands on. Uh, yeah, uh, the, the omnibus has red and black. 
Faith and Fire, Hammer and Anvil, and Heart and Soul. Nice. Looking forward to it. But, but yeah, chapter I, three. Uh, one thing I did want to, I had a note on that was I thought was cool was the uh, cable cars. Oh, yes. I thought that yes. was a really cool kind of a grimdark, uh, you yeah. know, the future of sci-fi is not all perfect and clean and spaceships. Yeah. It's these mechanical cable cars that are seem really ingenious, but also very, uh, you know, practical and realistic. And also, if you read between the lines, it's, um, what's the right word for it? It's very um, tyrannical. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because no one has the freedom to go where they want unless you're an yeah. adept. I like you know, that. It, it's, it's when I first started reading, I'm like, actually, you know what? That's kind of cool. And then mm-hmm. it gets to the line. I'm like, wait a minute. Um, hmm. <laughs> yeah. And that's a great point. Yeah. And they, they also kind of lead straight from that into the carvings of, you know, how uh, sort of oppressive and law and order this society is. And even though you're, you're reading this book from the perspective of the Imperium, uh, you know, they really dive into the whole, you know, there's no good guys. You wouldn't really want to live here. No, <laughs> it's like, I, I times are tough. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the whole description of Norok. Yeah, because they're, ne- they're on Never Prime and the city of Norok. The whole tra- 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 transit system and even the way that the, the city is described, uh-huh. or even the planet itself, because it's, the planet is described as, you know, having basically taking all of the, you know, problems associated with heavy industry and stuff like that, and they just right. shove them on the moons. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, oh, you know, that's an interesting way of oppressing people. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we don't um, see anything like that here on Earth, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, obviously, <laughs> we don't. It's like it's a, it's very, and it's also a very a very Imperium thing to do. Yeah, you know, it's like oh, you you've been you've been uh, like it's also easy way to get uh, get your your um your bad elements out of a society. Oh, you know, you, you were caught littering. Okay, to the fifth moon you go, <laughs> right. or you know, yeah. you, you you didn't pay your yearly tithes, mm-hmm. so off to the seventh moon you go yeah yeah it's real um, uh really good picture of oppression without really you know he, i like how he he builds these little uh you know the components of this oppression without just saying oh you know uh, an army came out and, and beat somebody on the spot you know it's yeah. like oh that'd be too on the nose yeah it's 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 very what's the right word for it subtle it's it, mm-hmm. it it start you can see the things start to build like the layers the layers start to build and that's one of the reasons why i like this novel i've actually read to the this is the third time i'm reading it so <laughs> cool. Cool. Well, that's a good sign yeah um, you agreed to do it and come on again yeah. i liked also the uh in the funeral itself i thought it was really cool you know they're in their full armor which is appropriate i think uh and then the the little touch of the red ribbon silencing oh, yes. the guns was cool yes. that was a that was a, and the, the, the thing is when i when i was reading that i'm like where have i read that before because it, it sounds familiar mm-hmm. to me um, and I was just like, I, and to this day, I still don't know where I've heard it. Heard that's a good, heard. yeah. It, it it seems so like familiar, you know. I'm sure it's it might be based on something, but that, yeah, I think that's I'm, a really I'm, good job. I'm pretty sure. Like the the reason I know it's familiar is, um, um, my family has been in the military for 600 years. Mm-hmm. Like we we served the British Crown for about 600 years. Um, so. I know my military history because it's basically family history. And mm-hmm. it, when I read that, I'm like, why does it sound like I'm back in a, a family reunion? Yeah, right. <laughs> but it, I, I right at home in the 40 K universe. It's all, it, only it, war. It, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just like, it, it seemed familiar, but that whole, and the other thing that was, is I was assumed that the Saritis had their own uh, burial um, rites. Yeah, that, that, that wouldn't that, make, at least by order, right? That, that, that the or like even like not not even like there'd be like the general adept adepta, you know, this is how you're supposed to bury your our dead, and then the individual orders would have you know expansions of those. Yeah. So if they were, if you know, let let's say if Saint Catherine was buried with her head facing Holy Terra, then obviously, but the fact that Leith left. Left mm-hmm. is buried in the traditional customs of that planet. Mm-hmm. That says something, and it, it was it was intriguing. And I'm like, yeah, that that hmm. is interesting. You have to wonder. Yeah. I mean, it's, it wasn't even like she died on the planet, like you know, in a, yeah. in a battle there. She, yeah, you know, they kind of brought her there and, and buried her like that, which is interesting. Yeah, but so she she died on a she died on a on a on a on a ship. So I guess because 
this was the closest planet, they decided to use those traditions. Uh, yeah, interesting. Yeah, maybe it feels like they almost just kind of took a, or he almost took a opportunity just to, you know, write in a cool little detail, which yeah, I do yeah. think on its own is just oh, an amazingly right. cool detail about a local yeah. custom. But. Oh yeah. Um, the other, the, going back onto my first point about how the Sarai stains is one of the lines really hit me, and it was says, uh, hospitalers were by imperial law non-militant. And right. I immediately went, like my brain immediately went, imperial law, not ecclesiarchal law. Or <laughs> yeah. I could never pronounce that name. Yeah. Church law. Yeah. It's like, yeah, no, that's it, right. Yeah. It was like imperial. So it's written into the, 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 whatever the Arbites call the, the, the Lex, Imperi- Lex Imperialis. Yeah. It's written uh-huh. into that. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's just like, okay, that, that I'd like. That little tidbit was, awesome yeah yeah i love how those get worked in especially when you consider the fluff concerning the age of apostasy Uh uh-huh when you know the the church was not allowed to have men under arms obviously that's going to be a law so you know okay that you've got non-militant orders that's a law (laughs) yeah (laughs) also here here that was the other question that that i had was who enforces that law Right, yeah. Like, who goes around and is like, oh, no, we got a man here. You can't be in the, uh, you know. Like, does do do they trust the ecclesiarch to police themselves, or is there an adeptus that is designed specifically to, you know, obviously, maybe it might be even the Inquisition. It'd be the Order of Hereticus. Yeah, I'd have to think maybe the Inquisition. Not that they can able to do it that effectively, but yeah. just under. You know, threat of that being an op- uh, something that could happen is. Um, but also considering it, this is the Imperium, so right. there, there's probably it's like you know we'll we'll put the Inquisition in charge nominally, but we'll also we'll, you know what we'll create this own little adeptus, you know, the adepta that is designed specifically to make sure that the Church doesn't you know start another age of apostasy. <laughs> right. You know, can't have that happening again. Yeah. Um, that was a bad time. <laughs> that that was a very much a bad time. Um. But yeah, the 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 the, whole, the the way he goes into detail about all the little things, like all the little snippets, like if you were not a, if you were if you were not a, if you had never read any Sisters of Battle fluff, or this was your even even if this was your first Sister of Battle book, mm-hmm. a lot of the little details that he points out that he that he picks up on is just it's like you you want to know more. Yeah, yeah. He, he gives you just enough. I find yeah. that you know he'll drop little little crumbs and just enough till you be like, oh, yeah, that's like, interesting, like, and then he moves on. It's like, what, what, how do I? Find, it's like, but tell me more about this. And he's like, no, 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 no. later. You got to you got to do your own. You got, it's almost as if he's telling you, it's like there's this own investigation, but he wants you to do the investigation as well. Yes, you know, you know it's like have it's like, faith. It's like it's it's like okay, so why are the hospitalers non-militant? Why are they by law non-militant? So what, what was that about? You know, that's um, true. Yeah, you come at this book, like you said, with, with no, you know, nothing about the age of apostasy. You know, nothing about the codex or lore. You know, this this does hold up as a, just a pretty good uh, so far. I haven't read it all yet, but it's like, oh, this is an interesting sci-fi story. They're giving you little crumbs, and yeah, and you want to know more. And then, so the payoff is when you do find out more, whether it's in this book or in another sources. You're like, wow, wow, yeah. that was really well constructed. Exactly. Like it, I, I'm. The way the, the the problem with the other sister of battle official sister of battle depictions is they're always from the viewpoint of another from outside. Yes, like order. space marines or, or imperial guard roll up on some sisters, and they get to be kind of like you know stereotyped as you know gray knights. Yeah, right, yeah, right. Yeah, uh, even the even the Kane novels, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you look, if you look at it, you're like, those aren't sisters, <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, yeah, yeah. That's why I definitely love this opportunity to kind of go through these as as a, from a perspective of of digging into you know them and the, and I mentioned this on the previous ep- on a previous episode too about how just the opportunity to see the differences among you know the battle sisters and how they're they're different and the squads can be different and instead of the tendency when you're looking at it from a space marine chapter's point of view you're just like ah oh, look at all those crazy battle sisters over there and they're yep. all fanatics and they're all the same you know this is much no no no, the, the, no not at all to the outside to the outside viewer yeah all sisters are you know crazy fanatical but when you think about it the orders themselves go from being absolutely crazy 
mm-hmm. like fanatically crazy to no, we have faith, but we're not going to let that faith override our judgment. Right. Uh, and that, that, that also happens between the militant and non-militant orders. Yeah, I mean, uh, seeing the just the the thought process, and, and I think we'll see in this book too, having to kind of think through some things. And obviously, this book isn't just blasting your way through for the other side because you're, you know, uh, emperor jihad is a, co- a phrase I've uh, coined. But uh, yeah. yeah, it's much more than that. I mean, I think that uh, hopefully we'll see some more of that. But um, mm. but it's well, not well, only that. So far, of the three chapters, basically, you, we've had what one battle? Yeah, yeah. It opened had, pretty strong, and then yeah, yeah they've had it, to kind it, of cool it off. And then it basically approached the novel pretty much as an action movie. Right. You've got the op- – basically as the – like like you, you were saying, the buddy cop action movie. You start off with the inciting incident and then now you got to figure everything out. you got to un- basically p- peel back the layers of the onion to find what is actually going on. Introduce the characters, of course, introduce the friction between them that they're mm-hmm. going to overcome. <laughs> yep. I have a feeling they're going to be best friends by the end. But um, but yeah, I, uh, I really like how, how it's set up that way and how it does have that different feel from just a, a book of battle after battle, which can be which can be fun, which can be cool. But uh, it's but nice to have something. That's, that's the other thing. The, the, the constant battle is not something the, the sisters do constantly. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. with, with Space Marines, you kind of expect that. Sure. You know, with the Imperial Guard, that's a given. Yeah. But not with the Sisters of Battle because, you know, they you have to balance both, you know, the martial aspects and also the faith aspects. So right. they have to they have to do the balancing between the two. Um, and you also see... That's that makes them interesting, right? In 40K, yeah. that, that they have that other side. You also see the, that friction in the interrogation scene, which... Right. In so far in the three chapters has been my favorite scene. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I like it, it is, and it, the, the, when I first read it, uh, I fully admit that I had just finished watching Ghost in the Shell, and basically the interrogation scene reminded me of a scene from Ghost in the Shell. Have you ever seen? Which, Ghost? I have not. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Many of our uh, listeners have, I'm sure. Yeah. So there's there's a scene where, well, without spoiling the movie in itself. Um, one basically they're they're hacking they're tracking this hacker mm-hmm. and he's ingeniously doing it doing the hacking from different points around the city and they're trying to track him and then they finally find out that what he's actually done is he's hacked somebody else's mind mm-hmm. and it's basically tweaked him to think something is going on oh yeah and Very similar. They, they, they—he's basically stripped out his memories, given him false memories, and the only difference is in the movie, the guy, the quote-unquote perpetrator, didn't mm-hmm. die. But in this one, Vorgo, ooh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, didn't end well for old Vorgo. No, no, it didn't. But the that entire scene was so far, in my opinion, one of the best written. I loved, I mean, how um, the way that he can um, kind of portray what, what it's like for a psyker to kind of use your mind or manipulate it in a way that somehow seems realistic, I thought was incredible how he did that. Like the, 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 there's, it starts out with the friction between the Arbites and the Sariatus right. and the whole, the whole implication that the Arbites have done some, some good old fashioned police brutality. <laughs> right. Just as you could expect. Like, yeah. We roughed them up, boss. It's like, it's like, it's like what, what happened? Well, he, they died of wounds. How? Well, they fell <laughs> yeah. down some stairs. Wounds. Yeah. <laughs> and he died. Wounds. Yeah, and I, and I, can just, I can just imagine the Arbite precinct is like one level. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, the same but, stair over and over but again. Also, but also, you see, the, you, you also see the friction between. Um, Miria Verdi and Cassandra, because Cassandra's like, why is the Hospitaller here? And Miria's <laughs> right. like, well, she's here, and in her mind, it's like, well, I, I kind of owe her a debt of closure because you know her sister died, like her, her blood sister died, and so I have to deal with her. Um, it's kind of like she brought her dog to school or something. Yeah, like, what, it, what is this? <laughs> this doesn't belong here. Dog here. It's like, well, kind of had to bring it. Um, but yeah, the the whole the choice that Vorgo is given by Miria. Arcoflagellation or death by bolt around. <laughs> I love, when you're begging for death by bolt around, you know, and these yeah. are the good guys, right? This yeah. is the sister yeah. of battle. Those, and, uh, those were, those were, I love the fact that those were the two options. Arcoflagellation 
or bolt around. And I'm just, and like when I first read that, I'm like, you know what? Um, I would go for the bolt around. Yeah. You know, right. the, the, the way she describes arcoflagellation, it's just like, oh, I would not wish that on my worst enemy. Oh, wait. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Definitely the creepiest uh, Sisters of Battle unit, I would say. That's at least that's, that's available yeah. in the codex. Yeah. Yes. And that's yes. saying something. Yeah. Yeah. Because there are penitent engines, but <laughs> they somehow <laughs> arcoflagellants and repent, yeah. But no, arcoflagellants uh, are worse. Um, mortify- Mortifiers. Oh yeah, yeah. Similar. So, yeah. Those anarchoflagellants are like the creepiest units, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, That's definitely. I, a, yeah, I actually yeah. have the like the 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 my arcoflagellants. I haven't built them yet, and I probably, <laughs> and I probably never will. <laughs> They're creepy. Do you have the uh, limited edition box or? Yes. Yeah. So yeah, yeah they're, I have those. They're, they're not my favorite unit. I think you know I'll probably talk more about that in the in, in another episode. But yeah. um, but yeah, of all the cool things about sisters, there's that one little thing. It's like oh yeah, we also hack people to death and make them you know suffer outrageous yeah, it's <laughs> pain like, and uh, agony. Wait, so they fight I, for us. But slightly veering off topic. It, sure, sure. Those, those units make sense to the church. Yeah. Not even to the sisters of battle because it's yeah. it's the punishment sisters will use, but they're not the ones creating them. Right, it's the, yeah, that makes more sense. It's, it's the church itself. Like church has basically said, you get to use these these things, and the churches are like, cool, you know? Yeah, they're like great. We it's we like, can hey, unleash these and and don't feel bad for them because they deserve it. And they're yeah. they're like, okay, they're definitely on board with that. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, they were like, bad, like, sure. Yeah, um, it's it's also the reason why I haven't built my repentia. Yeah, you know, similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, mainly because, and this is for another topic. Um, the repentia in my order are different. Oh, that's cool. They're they're built different, and I'll eventually on the Discord. I'll eventually put together a model and show people. But yes, um, the uh, that that whole scene was very much reminiscent of uh, Ghost in the Shell, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I wonder if he's seen it, mm-hmm. and if he took that and went, how can I 40k it? Yeah, and how can I make that scene fit? Because the movie itself is really good, mm-hmm. and that whole scene is basically you're like going, man, I feel for that guy. I yeah. really feel for that guy because he's basically he doesn't die, but he, he they can't replace his memories that have been replaced. Like they can't mm-hmm. un, un unhack his mind. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I can't. You kind of feel for that, but Vorgal, I'm like, you know what? No, I don't feel bad for that guy. Yeah. He was he was weak of mind. Yeah, <laughs> from a, from a sister's point of view, yeah, his faith should have been stronger. If, yeah. if, he was if, just a poor dumb guy, but yeah, if, it's, if his faith if his faith had been that much a little bit stronger, he mm-hmm. would have been able to do this. But yeah, because he did some pretty terrible thing. I mean, of course, with his mind basically possessed. But yeah, he was doing some pretty terrible things in chapter one, and uh, and but just to see that side though of what he believed, even they're like, I love the the touch of Verity reading the uh, you know the the Mechanicus script, you know, and finding out that basically just like reading data and find out that he has no family, which was an interesting touch too, so that you know that he's lying. Cause you yeah, know, like, uh, it, how, how creepy would it have been if he did have a daughter and he thought that that was his, his daughter yeah. in there, you know, yeah, would have felt but, a little, a little more bad for him. <laughs> yeah. A little, there, there would have been that, you know, you know what, you know what? Yeah. That would have been a little bit bad. He still, he still, you know, conspired in the death of a psoriasis. So yeah. his, his fate is sealed. Oh yeah. How with his actions he did or yeah, condemned we, to death. We, we can still, we can still feel a little bit about him, but the fact is it's like, no, no, no daughter. Mm, you're dead. <laughs> yeah. Don't and then the fact that he had no daughter, I think only serves to highlight, you know, how crazy of a powerful the Vaughn has of a psycho ability, right? That he can make this guy who never had a family, just feel, be ready to kill and do the worst things for his daughter that he doesn't even have. Exactly. No. All, it was all, it was all a, um, it was all a, a trick by uh, Vaughn. Which, which, which make which makes his evilness, if that's a word, that much more. You're, you, when when you, you know he's going to die, yeah. because you know he's done all these evil things. It's like, oh yeah, he he's a dead man. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. It's just how his death, like that. It, it's making his eventual death that much more sweeter. You know. Yes. Yeah, and it's just like I can't. It's, got it coming. it's like it's like how many more chapters do I have to go before this bed dies? Yeah, and <laughs> it's and you got to figure it's gonna be it's gonna be cool. I think he's yeah. not just gonna you know accidentally and, and fall I, off a cliff or something. And I like the fact that they mention that this couldn't be Vaughn's doing because Vaughn's powers are brutal and straightforward. 
Mm-hmm. He's he's not he's not the kind of psyker that could do this. He's a psyker that could blow your mind up, mm-hmm. but he's not the kind of psyker that could give you false memories or anything. This is this is there's another psyker, a more powerful psyker at work behind all this, and you're like, so Vaughn's just a henchman. It's like he it had to be a second shooter situation. There had, there, yeah, there, there, it's not even that. It's it's more like there's now there's a there's now like he's he's an alpha level mook. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. It's like okay, so he's Jaws from Bond. Who's mm-hmm. where? Who's Blofeld? Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 The man behind the man. <laughs> yeah. Like, like and, and why why did he why does he why does this man want Vaughn on the planet? Right. Know? It's like all these all these threads are are starting to come, and the 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 last line that I liked in this chapter was the 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 enforcer sergeant, "You're an inquisitor now as well as a nurse, then sister." Yeah, <laughs> it was like she was sassing her. You know, I mean, by the way, I do help heal everybody here. You don't have to make fun of me to my face. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why I like Verity so much. Is yeah. she's she's she is a sister, and she's you know she's a hospitaler, but you know. I'm pretty sure if you put a if you if you made her a battle sister, she'd be equally the match of Miria. Yeah, I mean they they mentioned that they're like you know hey you know they're all trained in, for martial combat. That's just not what they what they focus on. Yeah, you know? it, it, like it, like it, like I said earlier by imperial law, the hospital. Like if 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 Verity hadn't gone into the Order of Serenity, she'd probably be Order of Our Martyr Lady. Yeah, you know. So. Like her sister, right? Like, like her sister, her late sister. Yeah, yeah, late sister. My apologies. Yeah. Uh, Hear my dog there. Well, um, any other notes for this chapter that you want to um, touch on? Verity and snapping at Mirio, which I thought was really cool. You know, it's like, oh, oh, the hospitaler is pissed. When the hospitaler is pissed, you, you <laughs> right. did something wrong. <laughs> yes, yes. You don't want to be in that situation. Yeah, you, you, especially if she's pissed and you're and you're wounded. So. Yes. Then you all come crawling back to the hospitality <laughs> when you win. Yeah. Great. Well, uh, thanks for joining us, Ian, uh, from the Sisters of Battle Discord. I uh, really appreciate you taking the time and some great insight. I'm sure we'll love to have you back sometime to talk about I, future chapters. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm just give, just give me a heads up and I will be here. Sounds so, good. Okay. Yeah. Till next time. Till next time.
Thanks for listening to the Sisterhood of Battle podcast. Be sure to like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash battlesisterspod. Follow us on Twitter at Battlesisters and Instagram at Sisterhood of Battle. And let us know what you think. Theme music by Robert Russell. Artwork by at Gigahorse Deluxe on Twitter.